The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Let's go! Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, one-on-one showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One-on-One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Wednesday, March 28th, 2018. Listeners, please welcome fan favorite adult star, Isaiah Maxwell. Welcome to the show, Isaiah. Whoa, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. It's great to have you back on. I should say welcome back, because this is uh, my second interview with you, but it's the first time that you're here for my one-on-one show, and uh, a little birdie actually told me that it's your birthday today, Isaiah, so happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, yeah, man. I like to work on all days. Well, there you go. You are, in my opinion, one of uh, the hardest-working men in the adult industry, so that makes sense, to be quite honest. Yeah, I'm very fortunate, man. I work as hard as they let me. Well, there you go. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> True story. I gotta put the heart in hard work. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. So, uh, let's uh, start off the interview as I usually do, these one-on-one interviews, by getting some uh, physical and unique stats out the way. So, uh, let's start off with your height and weight. Um, My height is six feet. I would say I'm a legit just six feet. Everybody think I'm six two or something, but I'm just six feet, and I'm about one ninety. Okay, and uh, I I was gonna ask your zodiac sign, but I'm guessing looking at the calendar, it's Aries. Aries. Okay, I'm right. early Aries. Awesome. Yeah, that's the only sign I know. Don't ask me about any other signs or any other dates. I can't tell you. Well, yeah, I, mean, I know you, mine. You should Aries. know at least yours, even if you don't follow it. <laughs> What's your ethnic background? Yeah. Um, Congolese, Nigerian, um, Ivory and Costa, and from Ghana. And how old are you? And I am 21 for a long time. I'm giving you the side eye. <laughs> Just a little. I stay young, man. I stay young. I stay All young. right. Since it's been a minute, Isaiah, I want to go back in time with you and start off at the very beginning. Where are you originally from? I'm from Cleveland. I grew up in Miles Heights and um, did my childhood in that area. I was an outside Waterhouse kid, played in yards, and this was like right at the end of the before you go online era. So I was outside and had a big imagination, carried it on to this career. Awesome, man. What was life like growing up for you? What was young Isaiah like? Um, definitely carefree, man. I was, before I knew what Bills was and everything, so every day I was just ready to go outside and play. All of my friends was the type that would meet up outside and go to the courts, go to the woods. He did anything but be in the house because our parents used to kick us out. They used to get mad if we stayed inside. Like, go outside and do something. What was... I remember my grandpa told me that um, if I was too bored to run across the highway five times. Oh, gosh. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, they really didn't like us to be home. Sounds like it. <laughs> what was going on with your life prior to entering the business? Um, I was a college student, so I didn't really know which direction I was going into. I was at the cusp of graduation, and I had to take an internship in order to graduate. And, and that's how I got in the porn industry. I applied to everything. And the first person to call me back was someone in the adult industry, uh, P. Real, actually. And he brought me in and had me as an internship for an agency, and that's how I got in. But before that, I was just chilling in college, ready to graduate and ready to test the job market, see what I could get into. And then I was planning on, um, I was planning on writing some magazines. And I had an internship lined up to work for the Boston Celtics. But I would have had to move to Boston. And so um, the industry definitely saved me the, from moving out to the coast. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate it. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's something that I do remember about uh, the start of your career when we discussed it uh, several years ago was the fact that it was because of... Uh, the internship that you got into the business. So before that, like, as you mentioned, you were, you know, putting out, uh, you know, applications and whatnot to, uh, you know, become an intern here, there, everywhere. Before that moment in which you got contacted by the adult industry to, to intern in the business, had you at all thought about porn as something you might want to venture in at all? Was it at all a little inkling, a little idea in your mind before <laughs> basically porn said yes to you? Uh, to be honest, man, no. <laughs> I didn't know porn was an industry. Um, I, I didn't have a grasp concept of different industries to go into. So when, um, when I thought of porn, I just thought of like the videos that I used to just watch and my favorite type of porn to watch was the ones that was homemade or didn't look to production value. But in the back of my mind, I thought all porn was real. The porn actually wrote the fantasy of porn for me because I used to go to the beach all the time looking for those hot girls that used to pick up walking up and down the street because I thought that I thought that was real. I thought the Bang Bro Brush was real. I thought they just picked up random girls throughout the day and just fuck them. So that's what I was looking for. But when I got in, I was like, oh, okay, it's actually a business and it's structured. And, oh, these are the girls that I saw in the video. I didn't know that y'all was in multiple. I didn't know about the different companies shooting different girls and the same girls and them being stars and all that. I was just a fan. That's too funny. Oh, young, naive Isaiah Maxwell. <laughs> Very naive, man. Yes. Very naive. But you know what? What you said is probably, even to this day, still what a lot of people believe. I'm sure a lot of people out there might think the bang bus is real. A lot of people out there might think, you know, that that some of the more reality-based stuff might have a little, uh, you know, uh, a little uh, feel of, of reality in it. So uh, yeah. I, I don't think you're in uh, the small... Um, you know, you're not in the minority. I feel like right. a lot of people do still think that, which is really interesting. And uh, it's fascinating that you got sort of a, uh, you know, in-person uh, 
not necessarily rude awakening, but, you know, at least a, a realization that, uh, you know, it is all porn magic, for lack of a better word. Yeah, true story, man. I used to think, especially, like, the dancing bear at the secretary parties and all of that, and I'm like, wow, they just hire strippers at this job and they just go off and fuck. I'm like, damn, that's crazy. But, oh, that's too yeah, funny. man, I'm, I'm pretty sure, dude, we should all, people like me should all start a group and, you know, continue the fantasy. Exactly. It was fun to watch back then. There you go. So, uh, how did you transition into performer? Because you're working behind the scenes, and uh, what happened? Like, did you get an offer, you know, because you were always around? Were people like, oh, you know, maybe you should do some scene work? Did you get the idea yourself? Did you want to experience... Uh, you know, being a performer, you know, since you're already doing the behind-the-scenes um, stuff, you're like, maybe maybe I want to try. <laughs> um, I mean, it was always in the back of my mind to be like, oh, I wish I was the person in front of the camera. Or, or when I used to see the girls that I represented it on camera, those was like the early days or the first days that I used to watch porn and actually knew somebody in the porno. Because um, even when I watched it, I was like, oh, like, um, I don't know who these people are, so it was just easy to watch. But when I started watching them from the girls I represented, it, it was like, oh, that's my friend inside this porno. Oh, she is a freak. But um, but for me, it was, yeah, it was a little difficult to transition to at first. Um, I didn't always want to be in front of the camera. Uh, when I first started, I was wanted to wait at least a year before I make any decision like that. And because um, I didn't know if I was going to do this for a while, I was still in school. So, and I had that internship with the Celtics in the back of my mind. So I was like, you know, if this stuff, if this goes sour, I could still go to Boston and work there and um, be around the NBA and basketball game. But in the adult industry, I was like a little bit more cautious with everything that I did because um, I wasn't fully committed at the time, and I didn't know if that's something I was going to pursue. But the way that I got in was um, after working for them for quite some time, I started talking to the girls. And then when I would hook up with the girls, they was like, you know, you equipped to work in this business. And I was like, what are you, I'm like, stop playing. And they was like, no, you could do it. You could do it. And I was like, hmm. And then I tried a couple of, I talked to a couple of people. I wanted to make sure that if I do it, I would do it right. So it took me about a good six months of talking to everybody and convincing myself to actually do it, to actually get in front of the camera before I actually started performing. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I do like the fact that you uh, sort of asked around. You did your research. A lot of people don't do that. I mean, a lot of people, there are some people out there that just really want to be in the industry, but there are those that sort of get into the industry with a little bit more of a business mindset, and that's sort of like what you did, which uh, is pretty awesome, pretty impressive. I am a journalist first, so I mean, it's, that's what I do. I, I research everything before I write out something or I research anything before I do anything. So I have to look into everything that I want to do. That's why it's taken me so long to do OnlyFans because <laughs> I'm looking into everything about it. I just don't want to do it just to do it. Like, I don't want to sit on content that I could only use for OnlyFans because it's only going to benefit me for that. I want to figure out ways I could 
stream it out to other platforms and um, get involved and do it the right way. But until I figure that way out, I'm going to just be in the background and let everybody else have fun with it. Okay, that makes sense. It's understandable. So, in total, how long have you been a performer in the industry? I would say this is going on my fifth year. And, um, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's going on my fifth year. I started I started really working in January 2013. I did a couple of test scenes before then, but it was maybe two or three scenes, and only one of those scenes was actually published. And um, 2013 is when people started giving me more opportunities to prove myself. And then I would say about middle of 2015 and 2016 is when I really started working at the volume people are starting to see today. Okay, that's awesome. In doing research, uh, the uh, last time that you were interviewed was uh, towards the end of April 2015. So uh, I got you right before the uh, the fire was lit, basically. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, man. It was, people, people take their time to trust you in the beginning. And, um, and I was still getting my sitting down and figuring out what I like and didn't like. I would get nervous before I go to set. And um, I was working with a lot of big-name girls at the time because I didn't work with anybody at the time. So everybody was big names to me. And, um, and yeah, it just took me a while to find my grounding, but I'm pretty comfortable now. <laughs> well, obviously. So <laughs> let's go back to that first time on set. What was that experience like for you? So you are someone who, at least prior to this internship, had not thought about uh, doing anything in the adult industry. Oh, You've man. been working I've behind never been the in scenes. A oh well, yeah. there you go. Uh, you uh, you are working behind the scenes. You're being told, you know, you should give it a try, and so you finally decide after. You know, doing your research, after chatting around, you finally decide to give uh, being a performer, being in front of the camera, a try. What was that experience like for you? What was going on in your mind the very first time that you were on set as a performer? Um, it was, it was, um, it was very nerve-wracking. I'll be, I'll be honest. It was very nerve-wracking because, like I said, I've never been in a threesome. Um, most of my sex has been only two or three positions and uh, nothing too crazy or nothing like that. And the first time I was on set, I was around 13, 12 other guys and one girl, and all she was doing was giving us head. And I was just like, wow. And then once it was like, all right, everybody drop their pants and let's see what you got. Give us wood. And I was just like, whoa. And I was like, right now? And then just kind of caught me off guard and, um, I was being real cautious. I was like hiding myself a little bit and people was just like, yo man, just chill out, man. Nobody's here to see your junk and everybody's just here. Just get in your zone and figure it out. And, um, the first girl I worked with was London Keys, I believe. And, um, as soon as she touched me, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for this. And she, I'm like, if she wanted, it, I'll give it to her. And, um, it was just a little blow bang. I was probably, <laughs> but that blow bang, it was a 20-minute blow bang, and I was probably only hard in it for, like, two to three minutes because it was 
it took me a while to get into the zone. But um, I was on Dog Fart set and working with the director, Jim Kemp, and he was the first one to give me my shot. And he's, he's taken me far and kept kept me fed and um, always keep me working. So I owe him a lot of gratitude. And he took a chance on me. He was fine and was like, you don't got anything to prove. Just he he allowed me to figure myself out on his set. That's awesome, man. That's great that you had that chance, especially since it's your first time. You know what I'm saying? Because for the most part, I would say a lot of performers, for their first time, they sort of get tossed into the deep end of the pool. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I was on set not too long ago, a couple of weeks, on Jim Camp's set, where it was another big blow bang, and there was um, a few new guys on set, and one of the new guys came early. And, um... And it happens, you know, and he, he at least he, he took responsibility for it. And there was nothing we could really do after that, but um, continue to sing. I mean, it was a lot of guys there anyway, but I mean, it happens, you know, you just, it's unexpected. And um, it's just, like I said, it's figuring out your grounding, figuring out what makes you comfortable. So you can last long and give a good scene. That's very true. How difficult is that? How difficult is come control? When you're on set, you're excited, you know, you're there in front of a beautiful woman, uh, you know, obviously you've got cameras around you, but you try not to focus on that. Like, how difficult is it to control your own body to make sure that you last for at least a decent amount of time so that they get enough footage for what could be or what should be, you know, a... Um, I don't know, 20 to 30 minute scene. How difficult yeah. is it to control it? Because obviously yeah. what we're seeing isn't the full footage. I mean, there it's like a 20 minute, 25 minute scene, but Correct. the footage might be an hour, an hour and a half, you know, the different positions yeah. of the camera and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be, when you're on set, you have to, you have to mentally prepare yourself to be hard within a four-hour time span. So from a four-hour time span, your dick got to be ready to go up and down. And um, and controlling the cum is just, it's, the degree of difficulty is case by case, depending on the girl. You know, if you're really into the girl and um, you want to perform with her, then it's probably easier to get by, but, um, or it or you may get so excited that you just have to calm yourself and pace yourself throughout the scene. Or another girl that you don't really want to work with, and the same thing, you gotta um, you gotta find that fantasy so that you could continue to stay hard and come when they're ready for you to come. But it's just sometimes hard case by case. Yeah, that's completely understandable. That makes sense. But um, I mean, for me, I. Whenever I'm about to come, or whenever I feel the urge to come, I always um, try to realize what I'm doing. You could usually control um, the feeling of wanting to come by the way you um, shift your body. You know, when I'm about to come, you'll see me in the scene start to sit up so I can open my lungs up and breathe right and uh, control the blood that's flowing into my to my dick. But um, I just I make, I'm real aware of myself and what I'm doing when I'm having sex, so that I'm able to last longer. 
The Secrets of Isaiah Maxwell. I like it. I approve. <laughs> Listener, start focusing yeah. on Isaiah in his scenes, and you'll see his cum control in action. <laughs> I mean, there's all there's all types of tricks you'll see guys do, and there's some that you see me do too. I mean, there's the known trick of if you're about to come early, you'll see a guy pull out and just start eating the girl out randomly throughout the middle of the position. That's a pretty common one. That's one way to calm yourself down. Um, you'll see a guy take out his stick and tap it on the pussy because when you hit the head of it, it numbs it a little bit, so you could um, calm down on the feeling. And then with me, you know, I just open my lungs and breathe a little bit better and try to open up my breathing so that um, my body rhythm lines up with the girls and then I'm able to control it like that. Awesome, man. These are these are all tricks all the OGs taught me, all the questions that I asked in the beginning of my career. How do I do a scene? Tips from the masters. Very awesome, man. Let's talk about your poor name. Where did the name Isaiah Maxwell come from? It came from me and my friend. I think we was smoking a J. And we was like, oh, man, let's come up with some porno names. Cause, um, we wanted to think of something nice and cool. And, and so <laughs> the first couple of names was, like, really kind of porno-ish. And I was, like, thinking of, like, Lucky Wreck-It. And um, Wreck-It Ralph just came out. So I was, like, going to say in the beginning of all my scenes, I'm a Wreck-It. <laughs> and um no that that was going to be too cheesy and we just had a bunch of names and then isaiah maxwell came out the smoothest but um maxwell is a callback to like one of my favorite childhood movies love and basketball mm. and um in the scene where she lost her virginity on prom night or whatever night that they did it and the song playing in the background is um, A Woman's Worth by Maxwell. And I thought that was just like the smoothest sex scene of how it went down. And so I was like, yeah, I want people to feel that smooth kind of feeling when I'm in the scene and stuff like that or when they think of the name Maxwell. All right, Maxwell. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to Mary Jane for helping out with the poor name. <laughs> True story, man. True story. Let's break a scene down. I want to break a scene down with you. In a scene, which do you enjoy the most? Oral, vag, or anal? Um, vag. I'm definitely the vag type of guy. Once I'm in the vag, I'm like, all right, I've been with this girl. I know her. We're, like, I'm with her now. We're connected. Um... The mouth is definitely luxury to me. You know, it's not required, but um, it's definitely luxury when I'm feeling lazy on top of that. I'm like, it's great when I'm in lazy mode. And um, Ano is a treat to me. It's like, it's not something I want every day, but it's like something I would treat myself if, if it's been a really good time or whatever. But um, badge is definitely my go-to. In a scene, what's your favorite sexual position, and does it differ from your favorite position off-camera? Yeah, um, I would say my favorite position on-camera would be cowgirl. 
because it's one that is actually the most difficult position for me. So um, I find it a challenge, and uh, I like challenges. But off camera, um, I would say um, lazy dog, where a girl's laying all the way down, and um, I'm either mounting her or or missionary when I'm able to hold her legs all the way up and able to mount her from the front. So it's because in off camera, I'm able to be closed up and I don't have to open up, so I could go in as far as I can. And of course, we know how a scene ends. In a scene, where is your favorite place to shoot your load? Uh, I'm a cream pie type of guy, man. It's less mess for me to clean up. All right. Who knew Isaiah Maxwell was a baker? Yeah, man. I don't have any kids. <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, Isaiah Maxwell. Keeping yeah, it real, though. Keeping knock, it real. Knock on wood. Let's knock on wood. Yeah. Keep the streak alive. Exactly. How would you describe your fuck style? Well, actually, you know what? Here's what I want to do. I want to split this question up as, as like a twofold one. How would you describe your fuck style? And how has your fuck style evolved throughout the time that you've been in the industry? Oh, great question, man. If that's, in that case, I would probably say that my sexual, my sex style is passionate. Like, I'm very passionate with everything that I do. Um, I got to touch. Touching is one of my favorite things to do, and kissing is a fetish of mine. So, um, but being in the industry and um, girls that I've been with before I got in the game and been with after I got in the game can contest to this that I am now more passionate, aggressive. So... I definitely got more aggressive in the bedroom and more confident with moving the girl to where I need her to be and um, knowing where she needs to be so she can feel comfortable and stuff like that. And um, I feel that I got a better response from girls knowing that uh, I'm taking more control. Okay, that's really interesting. And something that you mentioned that I would love for you to elaborate a little bit more for the listeners is uh, the fact that performers have to open up for the camera so uh, Mm -hmm. you know we see all these amazing positions all these crazy positions but on top of the fact that we're seeing these fantastic positions and uh, these crazy positions we need to see the penetration i mean that's the whole point of porn although there are some productions out there that uh, you know don't do that they they're very unique and you know they're the director's vision and and they want it to be filmed in a more natural way for the most part performers do have to open up to the camera we have to see the dick going inside of the pussy or the ass or or the mouth or that kind of stuff and so we need all of the positions to sort of be open up so that the camera can picture not picture but can um, capture that's the right word uh, everything mm-hmm. for us. So, how difficult is that? How uh, was it? Was it a was it something that you had to obviously get used to? Was it difficult getting used to? How close d- does the camera get? How close do the lights get? Uh, talk to us about uh, opening up for the camera and what you have to go through to do that. Um, I mean. For 
any performer that wants to get into the industry, that's the first thing you're going to have to learn how to do is open up to the camera, be aware of where the camera is so that you could shift your body so the viewers could see. Um, when I first got in, it was already in the back of my mind of how to open up because it was part of the questions that I asked or what do I need to do in order to be a good performer. Um, a lot of the guys, will give you pointers throughout the scene. That's why I like working in group scenes with veterans and um, and beginner performers and performers like myself that are now getting established. Um, you, you get pointers from them. You, you listen to them, and when they tell you how to shift your body and open up to the camera, they're not telling you that to try to um, change your sex style or try to tell you how to fuck or anything like that. They're trying to teach you how to open up to the camera. So I take my tips and I learned how to do it throughout the years. And um, and then I taught myself tricks of my body of how to open up even further and open up as much as I can. But it's one of the first things you have to learn when you first get in. And one key factor that helped me out was when I went to Spain in um, 2015. 2015, I went to Spain, and one of the things that they told me was that I was too close in with the girl and that I need to learn how to work um, uncomfortable. So they taught, me, they taught me how to be uncomfortable on the scene and open up as much as I can, even if it feels uncomfortable, because they wanted to feel a disconnect from the male talent and the camera. So when I look uncomfortable on camera, it, it's actually putting a disconnect between me and the camera so that the viewer can put themselves in the picture and um, imagine themselves in the scene. Because if there's too much of a connection between me and the girls, it takes the audience out of the equation, and then people are just watching us have sex instead of them imagining themselves in the scene. And some companies want the audience to feel like they're in the scene. So you got to have sex uncomfortable and be in positions that the audience could see very well, but it takes you out the equation to put them in for themselves because they wish it was them. That's really interesting. I'm glad you could break that down for the listeners because uh, it's fascinating. Sometimes it's a little noticeable, as you mentioned, but for the most part, I mean, it's done almost seamlessly so that... Uh, it doesn't look that odd. And, of course, you know, we're supposed to see everything because, uh, you know, it, it is supposed to be us sort of like diving into the picture and, and fantasizing about what's going on. So it's really, really interesting. I'm glad you could break that down, man. All right. So Isaiah Maxwell, it's time for the big question, a question that I'm sure a lot of uh, your hardcore fans and supporters uh, might be curious to know. How much is Isaiah Maxwell packing? In inches? Well, I would assume that they would prefer that versus centimeters. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So inches is just way too short of a number. When it comes to centimeters, I am actually no, I'm just kidding. Um, I would say about a good nine inches, a legit nine inches. You know, it may be more on some days, but on average, it's a legit nine inches. Too legit to quit. Yes, man. Too legit. A lot of people like to say they're nine inches or twelve inches or whatever, but nah. But I'm a legit. This is nine inches. <laughs> this is what a nine inch stick look like. Well, there you go. 
<laughs> and with that answer out the way, I have to ask a follow-up to something that you mentioned very early on in the interview. Because uh, you used a line that uh, got me sort of curious about this question. Because you had mentioned that as you were in the industry, you know, you were being told by these women that you are equipped to be a part of the industry. So did you not realize you were packing what you were packing, sir? No, no, not in the beginning, you know. And what's funny is a lot of girls told me that I wasn't really packing like in high school. I don't know if they was keeping me humble. But they took. They was. They would tell me that you know, like you know, you're okay. You're decent size, and this and this and that. So that's that's what I had in the back of my mind. I was like, all right, I'm just decent. And I wasn't comparing. I wasn't standing next to other naked guys and comparing myself with or anything like that. So I just kind of went along with that mindset and always had that in the back of my mind. So now when people tell me like, oh, you're packing or this and this and that. It's a little awkward for me, and I don't really necessarily know how to respond because I never responded to it at an early age. So I just say thank you and keep it pushing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny, man. All right. Yes, man. The same with my looks. When people tell me I'm cute, I'm like, I don't know how to respond to that. Well, you should say thank you, at least. Yeah, I'll at least say that. I'll, and then I'll keep it moving if you don't want to take it yeah. in. <laughs> I guess, ladies, you know how to make Isaiah Maxwell blush. Tell him that he's cute. Hey, good story. <laughs> story of his life. <laughs> so, in the same vein as, as what we're talking about, uh, is there anything that you do in particular to maintain a consistent and large pop shot? I feel like Isaiah Maxwell has remarkable pops i think that's something that that you are known for in the industry where does all of that come from uh, besides uh your balls obviously do you do anything to prepare um yeah i don't really have that much sex off camera you know um i i work at a high volume so i try to limit the sex that i have off camera and i I mean, to be honest, I rarely have sex off camera. It comes in waves for me. So um, I might have sex with a few girls um, throughout a couple of weeks and then have a two- to three-month dry period. But I'm always working, so I never feel the urge to, like, try to find sex off camera because I know that I'll be working with a girl in a couple of or a few days. Um, I mean... A lot of my pop shots come because I don't have sex <laughs> before. So that's where all the pop comes from. It's just from chilling. I go to sleep, eat my vegetables right, and let it store up properly. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, too funny. My pop shots are bigger when I do have a smoothie the night before. Oh, okay. Drink some, have a protein smoothie and, and let it settle in to your system for about 12 hours, and you'll notice a difference. Thank you, Dr. Maxwell. Yes, man. Yeah. start sip of the day. Oh, right <laughs> now. Hey, people are writing it down. You're you're spitting uh, gold right now for the listeners. <laughs> True story, man. <laughs> They're like, all right, all right. Sit up when I'm about to come. Okay. Um, drink protein smoothie. All right, all right. I got this. Exactly. So for the listener that's listening, that's a hardcore Isaiah Maxwell fan, uh, 
when can they take Isaiah home? Will there be a dildo of Isaiah out there at some point? Um, if the numbers make sense to me, then yes. I don't want to ever do anything just to do it. So everything got to make business to me. If I'm going to do something, it got to be done right, and I want to make the return. It's gotta, it gotta, it gotta be worth it to me. Like, I, I have kind of a entrepreneurship type of sense when I do anything. So, everything that I do is a investment of my time going into it, and I want to make sure it comes out right. And sometimes my money as well. So, if the numbers make sense, you can bring it home. But at the moment, it's kind of just trying to still build a, a big fan base that I'm able to come out with stuff that makes sense. And that does make total sense. So you, as you mentioned, you know, you research, you uh, really look into it and, and you try to make sure that it's the right decision for you or the right choice for you. Is this something that you have been researching? Have you sort of looked into it? Uh, have you been asked before? Is it something that uh, does seem kind of intriguing to you? Uh, not necessarily that you're going to do it right now, but is it something that has piqued an interest in you and in potentially doing? Um, at the moment, I would say no. Um, I look for more business ventures outside of porn. Um, I try to do stuff that's not related to the adult industry, so I have a little bit more eggs outside of this basket, stuff like that. So um, I don't try to have all of my eggs in one basket or try to revolve everything around one industry because um, I like to do other stuff with my life that keeps my peace of mind kind of balanced. But, you know, in the future... When the offer comes across the table, one offer never came across the table. But when it does, you know, and I'm able to sit down and look at it, then I'll probably consider it like I do everything else. I never, I never like to say no to an offer right away, but I like to listen to what it can, what it could be, and how I could utilize it. That makes sense. That's completely understandable. Let's talk a little bit about your career, because as you mentioned, you've been in the game for five years. Uh, your career pretty much skyrocketed uh, about three years ago when we did our interview. You were still, you know, in my opinion, one of the more underrated performers in the industry and a performer that was doing consistent work, but uh, wasn't working as... Um, as uh, voluminous as now, but you know, your career skyrocketed later on that year and you've been pretty much on that train since then, in my opinion, and I'm going to say it on the podcast. So it doesn't sound like I'm just saying it to say it. I think you are one of the best black male performers in the industry. And to be quite honest, we can remove the black uh, from that statement as well. I think you're one of the best male performers that's currently in the industry your scenes are top notch and uh you know i don't think i've seen a bad scene from you uh, at least recently you know your scenes are very consistent and in my opinion each scene is better than the last mm, did yeah, you know this did, did you did you set this out was this in the plans did you think that you would be 
as uh, in demand as you are now when you first joined the industry? Um, that was definitely the goal. You know, I I do want to say that I imagine myself being like this. Like, this was my plan when, when I started doing this. I was like, if I want to do this, this is how much I want to work. This is all of my focus. That's, that's why I kind of don't do so much, like, the concentrate world, like, where the only fans and stuff like that. I don't focus any attention on shooting that because I focus all my attention on establishing relationships with companies so that they can hire me um, daily so I don't have to shoot content and fill up that gap. But it's always been in the back of my mind that this is how hard I wanted to work and um, I wanted to shoot as much as I can and as many scenes as I can and that I'll take everything. I want to, I want to feel ubiquitous so I can feel like I'm everywhere and um, and do everything. I don't mind if it's a blow bang. If I'm not shooting that day, then I'll be on a blow bang set. If I'm not shooting that day, I'll be on a game bang set. Not everything has to be one-on-one. But um, I just like to work, man. I, honestly, I just like to work. <laughs> even if even if my job was writing and um, people gave me writing assignments to do every day, that's what I would be doing. So this, this is my job. My job is to have sex and make me work every day. This is what I'm here for. I'll wake up early. I'll get ready. I won't party. I'll do whatever it takes to continue working. Awesome, man. Isaiah Maxwell, one of the hardest working men in the porn industry, literally and figuratively. Like, you work a lot, which is very impressive. Like, the amount, the volume of uh, scene work that is being released that features you every month is ridiculously impressive. It really is. I love that the industry has embraced you, especially since you are a man of color. And in the past, it has it has been difficult. It was very difficult for men of color to get sort of embraced by the larger production houses. It's very impressive that uh, they've uh, taken a liking to you. And to be quite honest, that the doors have opened a little bit more for black men in the industry. As I like to say, you know, the more the industry changes, the more it stays the same. I mean, there still is the racism in the industry, but it is uh, pretty impressive to see black men on these uh, high-caliber, top-tier websites uh, much more frequently than in the past. I mean, I've been interviewing performers for about a decade now, and uh, things have improved, although there are things that are still sort of the same. Things have improved, uh, which uh, is really great because we have amazing performers like you working with Brazzers, working with uh, Vixen and and Blacked and and all those, you know, those uh, powerhouse companies that are, uh, you know, churning out these uh, really beautifully shot scenes. No, I agree, man. I feel like the connection that I build with these directors has helped me a lot and show that, you know, to look past the color of my skin and they try to fit me into roles that um, aren't based on the color of your skin and just able to fit me in. They actually got um, a couple of directors in trouble. Um, they was trying experiments where they were just like, you know what, we're going to put you in every title. <laughs> and they put me in all these um, movies where I was the only um, 
IR scene in the movie, even though it wasn't an IR scene, it was just an extra scene. But then they got letters from the mother company asking them to ease up on doing that because it's too hard to market. So, you know, it's not like directors don't want to do it. And it's not like they don't want to shoot more people of color and put them into different productions. But, you know, the audience are the ones that are responding to it. And if they're not buying the product because it's, it's mixed marketing, then they got to switch up on how they do it. But like I said, they want to do it. They, it's just hard for them to. Let's be real in the work that you do. For the most part, you do do interracial work. Your scenes are mm-hmm. predominantly interracial. That's not to say that you don't do black-on-black work, or as I like to call it, ebony erotica. You do as well, but for the most part, the majority of your work is interracial. Because oh, we live... 98% of my work is not interracial. Yeah. Because we live in the age of social media... I'm sure your fans probably have an opinion on that. Uh, have you gotten any flack from your fans because you do a lot of interracial? Do you get requests to see more ebony erotica in your uh, you know, voluminous uh, output of scene work? What's, what are your thoughts on the industry embracing interracial, but not necessarily embracing... Uh, black on black scenes i would probably say my, i would probably say my fans response to everything has been kind of 90 10 towards 90 of them being okay with it um there's definitely 10 percent of them that wish i did more black on black scenes including myself um i'm very an advocate of that i even um reduce rates i reduce my rates to work with a black girl because sometimes the productions aren't as high and um, they don't have a big budget for it. So I try to get out on as many black-on-black sets as I can, but there's been a shortage of black girls in this industry throughout the time that I've been performing. The time before me, I heard there was a whole array of them and that they were flourishing at the top of the game back then when they were shooting a bunch of ebony erotica. But um, I missed that train, and so there's just... There's I know, Isaiah, you're just 21. <laughs> yes, I am. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but continue on. You're saying there aren't that many girls this, these days. Yeah, there just aren't that many girls. I mean, you think of all the new IR sites that's popped up and not one of them is any black-on-black sites. And um, I feel that's a little jacked up sometimes, but... I wish it would change. Probably I'll try to do something to change that. But, but yeah, man, I, I wish that I could work with more black girls as well. And um, I don't know if Fez ever noticed on my Instagram. Whenever I work with a black girl, I put them up right away on my Instagram so people could see. And I try mm-hmm. to advertise them as much as I can and so that they could get more work and get publicized more. But, um, you know, there's been a shortage, and I haven't been working with them as much. And then, um, on the contrary, on the bad side of things, there's been um, this this um, uncomfortable kind of feeling of these new black girls that's getting in the industry and only wanting to work with white guys. You know, I, I, it's been a couple of cases where it's been a couple of black chicks that I would love to work with or had opportunities to work with, and then I, the scene got canceled because they don't want to work with a black guy. 
and they feel like it will harm their career. So a little miseducation there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff that factors into it, but, um, but I mean, the bottom line is that there just aren't enough black girls to start a company to, um, push them out like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Back in the Dizay, uh, there was a lot more ebony erotica. There were companies and uh, websites that produced it. And uh, the long-standing rumor, or at least not, not rumor, but the myth, is that black porn gets bootlegged. And that's the reason why it doesn't sell, and this, that, or the other. And I don't know if I necessarily buy that now, especially since, you know, if we, if we look into the mainstream world, you know, one of the myths mm. has always been that a film with a black cast can't sell overseas. And obviously that myth has been busted with Black Panther. So not right. to compare Black Panther to porn, but, you know... I'm sure that those myths about ebony erotica probably are, aren't factual anymore, especially that we're living now in a day and age when you can basically find every sort of niche of porn on the internet via individual yep. websites, via um, you know smaller amateur sites. I mean, there are a lot of amateur sites that do black-on-black -black porn. So uh, I'm sure at some point someone in the industry will realize that there's a market for it, just like somebody in the industry realized that there's a market for high-end, beautifully shot interracial porn. I agree. I agree. Not everybody needs to be a gangster. One of the first things they put me in, you see me with a red do-rag on and I think it was gangland back in the days. They, they stopped shooting that. <laughs> They stopped shooting that, luckily. And um, I think that's due to my generation. You know, our generation is done with that whole gangster personality. You know, gangster rap has kind of um, drifted away, and nobody really listens to that as much as they do, like, just going to the party and having a good time type of rap. You know, I'm not really into, like, the whole druggy rap type of things now, how they all pop and molly and stuff like that and um, drinking syrup. But, um... Now people see black men um, more appropriate. You know, they see us more in suits now. They, they, they're not um, miseducated about us anymore and thinking that all we do is just stand out on the corner with beers and baggy pants and sagging below our passes anymore. So um, porn, is, porn to me has always been a reflection of what's going on in America and what's going on in the times today. So that's why when you see racism in porn, it's always been a reflection of the racism in America. You know, these are just the results of what we put out and how the audience responds to it. This is what the audience buys. And if they're in, um, and they're getting more comfortable with buying IR material because they see it every day now. You know, people don't have to hide that they're in IR relationships. They don't have to hide that, you know, that they think black men are scary anymore and stuff like that. They start to see that we are educated and that we could do a bunch of stuff for ourselves. Um, it's just coming up times, man. Absolutely. So you mentioned something that I want to follow up with you on, uh, but veer it into a very different direction. So when we were talking about Ebony Erotica, you mentioned that sometimes you'll even lower your rates, you know, just to make sure that, that you can shoot it and, and that kind of thing. So since mm -hmm. you mentioned rates, 
I'm curious to ask this. Uh, because you are a performer that has been doing an incredible job in the industry and, and your star has skyrocketed in the game, what's your take on white female performers asking for more money for doing a scene with you? Do you think white female performers should ask for a higher rate just to shoot interracial and uh, vice versa? Do you think you should ask for a higher rate if you're shooting a scene with someone that's uh, not of your race? To me, if um, if a girl wants higher money to shoot IR, um, I would have to look at the situation. Is it, you know, due to first IR being a marketing tool, I understand why a girl would want more money for that. But in order for it to make sense, to me, I feel like the male talent should get paid more, too. That's the only way it would make sense for me, is if both talents was to get paid more for doing that scene because it's marketed as a first IR scene. But if the girl is just wanting to get paid more because it's the skin tone and that's it, um, then no, I, I, I wouldn't even personally want to work with her. So it, it just has to make sense. I, I understand business, and I understand marketing tools, and, um, how to market and how to push it out. I'm a publicist, so that's what I do. But for it, to get paid a little bit more because of the marketing, too, I understand that. But both parties have to get paid in order for it to make sense to me. Okay. Has that happened before to you? It has that ha- You don't have to name names unless you want to because uh, I'll take notes on, on the names. <laughs> but um, has that happened to you before? Have you been in that ex- that position where you are paired up in an IR scene and it's not her first IR. She wants to get paid more. Is that, is that a scene that you've turned down in the past? Um, I was going to say no, because I don't, I can't recall any time I ever turned down a scene because a girl wanted more money and, or it's never been brought up to me where I had to contemplate that decision. Um, I will say the most awkward time for me was when I was in an orgy where a couple of the girls didn't do IR because of contracts. And so um, I was only able to have sex with a few girls in the orgy and um, and had to skip around the other couple of girls that wouldn't do it. And there was a time where, and it was, um, it was a time where, those girls, I mean, all the girls that did IR in the orgy was with all the guys that um, was in IR, and all the IR guys was stuck with the girls that didn't do IR, so it was a lot of standing around, and we couldn't do anything, and they had to stop and shift it and, um, <laughs> and reset. And to me, that was very awkward for me, and I, I wouldn't want to be put in that position again. So now when I'm in orgy scenes, i got to ask, like, is everybody down to have sex with everybody? Um, if the orgy scene is big enough where um, I could get away with not having to do that, then I won't trip out. Like, if it's, like, over six or seven girls in the scene, I'm not going to trip out if one girl don't want to have sex with one person because, you know, everybody don't get along with everybody. But if it's, like, a three to five girl and it's, like, six, seven guys, then I'm going to be like, yo, I just don't feel like standing around anymore and just, like, watching people do their thing. I'm like, I could go to a set where a girl would actually enjoy being with me and don't have to worry about a contract of not touching me and stuff like that. But that's the only awkward type of situation I've been in that I'll try to avoid for future reference. <laughs>
Okay. Let's talk about another type of awkward situation. Because a genre that has taken the industry by storm is this whole stepfather, stepbrother genre. To be quite honest, I like to call it incest light because it, it's very much, you know, it, it's on that line. It's it's not crossing right. it, but it's on the line. What's that like to shoot uh, when you first had to do something like that, and you're like, "But you're my stepmother," because, but you, but I'm your stepfather, but I'm your stepbrother. What was that like for you? Is it pure comedy, like doing it? Is it at all a little awkward? Obviously now that you've done it for for a little bit i'm sure you know doing it now is probably like second nature but initially doing it was it at all weird because i'm i would assume that it would be weird probably a little comical uh from what i've gathered from other performers that i've asked a similar question to i mean you sort of have to hammer in the step part of it obviously for um legal reasons and that kind of thing you got to make sure that it's step i mean obviously Period. None of you are related. I I mean, you know, none of you are related. It's all acting, but you definitely have to hammer in the step part of it. What's that like for you as a performer to have to do it? It's it's a little easier for me because I'm able to stay in fantasy mode with the um, it being a um, white girl and all. Um, If it none of my I I never had a step sibling that was. fully white, so I'm able to go to that fantasy a little bit more. Um, it, it does get weird when it's a black girl, and I got to pretend she's my stepsister. I had to do that one time, and that was a little weird. And I don't do stepmom, or, you know, or it's definitely a black stepmom, because I can't, I can't do that. I can't get in that fantasy. But, um, but you know, it's, it's definitely a... Um, it's not uncomfortable for me. Like, you know, a, a pickup is a pickup of the scene, you know, and then you just, they just want you to do the pickup. And then once you actually have the sex, you know, you could just kind of stay in your fantasy mode about the sex and throw in a couple of theme-related lines in there to stay in character. But um, once the sex actually start happening, then I'm able to go back into my fantasy mode with the girl and not have to think about this, the genre of the movie. Those are only kind of the weird factors of it for me. Okay, that's understandable. So throughout the interview, we've been discussing basically these incredible few years that you've had. You know, you've gone from, at least in my opinion, from underrated to one of the most sought-after men in the game to do scene work. We've talked about how your style of having sex on camera has evolved And another thing that has evolved uh, with you since you joined the game and since our previous interview is your physique. Your physicality has improved. I mean, you know, you were more on the slender side before when we initially talked, and you've definitely beefed up. You went from, from, I guess, beanpole to beefcake. Where did this come from, Isaiah Maxwell? Is it something that you consciously did for for the game? Was it something that you consciously did for yourself? Uh, where did this uh, increase in uh, the physique come from? Um, it came from not working enough. Um, I was sitting at home too often, and I didn't. I was getting too bored at home. You know, I was doing the agency full time back then, 
and um, I was still doing publicity work and throwing girls parties and doing their press releases. But for the most part, I was at home planning all of that stuff out. So this was right in the year that we did our interview um, around Thanksgiving when I was drinking. Every time I came home, every night I had a beer. I had a beer or, I had a beer or a few to myself, and it got to a point where I was basically having almost a pack a day just to chill out and relax at home because I didn't have anything to do. And um, I think I walked past the mirror, and I poked my stomach out, and it was a beer gut, and I was real skinny. And so it, I looked pregnant, and I was like, oh, no, this has got to change. I was like, girls don't trust me picking them up on camera. Um, none of the big names request me and stuff like that. So around Thanksgiving, I was like, all right, I'm going to stop drinking and start going to the gym and start hitting it harder. And so um, after Thanksgiving, I went to the gym four to five times out of the week and just worked on myself for the next few years. And it resulted in consistent bushing. So definitely, um, I gained about 15, 20 pounds within the first three months that I started working out. And I... And um and this gave me a lot more stamina in my seniors and a lot more energy to do what I have to do. And um and now I can't even I don't drink I hardly drink anymore and um I don't go out as much anymore because I like how serious these companies are taking me now. So I'm gonna start taking them serious and do what I gotta do to remain consistent. I like the sound of that. Very awesome, man. Very cool. So as we start veering into the end of the interview, I want to ask you uh, just a little bit more about yourself. Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. Something unique about Isaiah Maxwell. Um, if I had anything quirky to say about myself is I became a bookworm. Um, like... I always feel the need that I need to read a book at least once every couple of weeks. And so um, there's been times where girls ask to come and spend a night because they're coming in from town and stuff like that. And they'll come over my place. And um, as soon as they come over, I'm like, all right, I set you up. You know, you can have my room for the night. I'll sleep on the couch. And then they'd be like, you're not coming in with me? I'm like, no, I got this book to read. And they'll be all, like, kind of weirded out by that shit. And <laughs> it's because I'm, like, knee-deep into a book that I need to finish and shit like that. But, but yeah, man, that's one little turkey thing about me. I choose to read over sex sometimes. Well, that leads to the monster pop shots on camera. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Unintentional consequences or unintentional benefits. There you go. Describe yourself in ten words or less. Um, let's see. Um, ten words or less, man. Um, I'm a nice guy that don't take advantage. All right, you made it into a <laughs> sentence. I like it. That's the. The journalist in you, the writer in you. Very cool. 
So as we start wrapping things up, I have this list of pop culture oriented questions that are designed to allow the listeners and your fans to get to know some of your favorites. The first question in this set is what are five of your most favorite television shows? All right. Um, favorite shows. Martin is one of my favorite shows, my favorite family show. The Batman animated series is always a classic to me. Um, the shows that I'm watch, watching today that are sort of my favorite, I like Blackish. I like um, The Walking Dead and um, any of the DC TV shows that are out right now, like Black Lightning Flash or um, those I really don't need to. I really like, honestly, but um, if I had to eliminate one of those choices because I think I gave you six, I would probably say The Flash right now because it's not up to par, so Black Lightning is in the mix now. Very nice. Shout out to Lady Eve. Or rest in peace, Lady Eve, depending on what you've seen. <laughs> yeah, man. I wish they could bring Jill Scott's character back, man. Like, what kind of shit is that, man? She was sick. Well, anything can happen, apparently, now. We've yeah, learned. So. Yeah, man. Believe just from Book of the Dead, bro. Let's, let's, let's bring exactly. her back. Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? Um, Rakim is my number one. Um, I like Ludacris. Oh, Ludacris. I just grew up on Ludacris. Ludic- I know Ludacris is kind of cheesy to real rap fans. <laughs> and, like, he, he's changed a lot, but I grew up on a lot of his songs, and he was, he, was, he made it real fun for me in my middle school dance. You're fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Move, bitch. That was like classic shit. Get out the but, way. Um, yeah, man. That was my shit. Um, I like Jay-Z because he just, he just, I, I like how he evolved with his music and everything like that. How he adapts to his style and everything. Um, a lot of his albums came through for me at good times. And naming a lot of big name rappers trying to think like who are like some of the smaller rappers that I like you know all of these streaming sites have messed up artists for me now I just listen to songs and I don't even know who makes them anymore but um the fourth I'll probably say um Bone Thugs and Harmony because I grew up with them in Cleveland Crossroads is like one that's like classic anthem out there. Oh yeah, so good. What are three of your most favorite films? Um, the first one off the top of my head will probably be um, Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. I watch that movie from any point, and it's always fun to watch it throughout. Um, Jurassic Park Two. I like. I like the Raptor scenes and the when the T Rex was in San Diego. I thought that shit was sick. And I would probably say, you know, I have I have probably about thirty favorite movies, but the first three that are coming to my mind, the last one is Face Off with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. I don't know why that came to my mind so fast, but that movie has always been one of my favorites growing up. What are two foods? you can't live without two foods I can't live without 
Um, let's see, steak. Can't live without steak, and I can't live without a Coke. I mean, that's a beverage, right? So I'll probably say um, tacos. I don't know. If, I, if tacos was going, I'll probably be really sad. Oh, Taco Tuesday. Yeah, man. No more Taco Tuesday. So what would we do? Eat something else that begins with a T. <sighs> Just want to be the same. I know, right? And what is one of your guilty pleasures? <laughs> um, probably say listening to Taylor Swift. Like, if you were in the gym, I'd be, like, pumping on to Taylor Swift sometimes. Really? I always wanted to have sex with her. She, yeah, she's one of those, she's one of those girls, one of those celebrity artists that I just got to see what it feels like. I was like, why are you keep getting in relationships and breaking up? It's something about your coochie. I gotta figure it out. So, yeah, Taylor Swift is on my bucket list to do. That's so funny. <laughs> Very interesting. Shake it off, Isaiah Maxwell. Shake it off. <laughs> Isaiah Maxwell. Hey, man. What's next for you? What's coming up for Isaiah Maxwell? What can the listeners and the fans expect and anticipate from you in the near future? Um. They could just expect me a little bit more stress free. Like at the moment, I'm I'm paying off student loans. Um, I'm saving. I'm oh, I opened up a stock portfolio. I'm investing my money. Um, I'm I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm not really out in the bubble because I'm saving my money and paying off from these previous life um, decisions that I made. So it may seem like I'm not doing anything, but I'm just establishing myself for a more carefree future, you know, preparing myself for retirement. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. At 21. Yeah. (laughs) Heavy side eye. But that's not going to happen anytime soon, right? There are still many years of uh, Isaiah Maxwell uh, coming. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's definitely, it's definitely great to start in your twenties and to start in your forties and fifties, you know? Well, ain't that the it's, truth? It'd be, be more easier to take care of yourself when you're taking care of yourself young. Yeah, that you makes know. sense. Like, I'm still traveling throughout my job. Like, I'm going to London in a week, and I'll be out in Budapest for a couple of days as well. And so I travel and see places and everything, and I'm enjoying everything that comes around me. And I'm not very materialistic, so it's not like I'm. Whenever I get bored, I go shopping or anything like that. I actually just sit down and save my money, um, play a video game, crack open a book, play some sports or something. Something that I try to. I always try to um, think back when I was a kid. What did I used to do to keep myself entertained? And that, those are the stuff that I used to. Those are the stuff that I try to do because when I was a kid, all the stuff that I had to do was free. And mm-hmm. save my money. So that's what I like to do. I like to do free things. But yeah, man, I'm just saving my money and paying shit off, man. You know, I always tell people I'm paying off my student loans, and they be like, "Oh, those things just stay around forever." I'm like, "No, they don't. Not if you pay them off. <laughs> Go to war with your shit, man. Like, take care of your mortgage. If you got a mortgage, that's a loan. Just pay your loan off, so you don't only have to pay the property tax. Own some shit. You know, you know, be debt free. 
take control of your life. Yeah, those are uh, great words of advice, of, actually, yeah. A lot of OGs, a lot of the questions that I ask them are like, what do you wish you did when you first started? And um, a lot of their answers will be, I wish I paid off the stuff that I could have paid off when I was younger because I had the money to do. And so um, I'm heeding their warning, and I'm just like, you know what, let me just, instead of, get in the house and being mortgage broke in case of things go wrong or in case I get injured and I can't work anymore, then um, I don't want to default on the house or anything like that. Or I'm in a very fortunate position where I make enough where I can save and put money towards a principal, um, say, on, the, on my student loans or put it towards the um, stock portfolio that I open and, and put it in more investing and stuff like that, you know? You know, I, this is, I want to make my money work for me even if I'm not working. So I'm just doing stuff to take care of myself. Yeah. But it's a long call. The most important thing to do, to be quite honest. How can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social media, all the goodies? They can find me um, on Twitter at Isaiah Maxwell. That's I-S-I-A-H. And, um on Instagram at Isaiah underscore Maxwell. Well, Isaiah, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters? Yeah, Matt, save your money and um, buy what, what you love to do. You know, do what you got to do, work hard and anything that you do. You don't have to be great at everything, but be great at what you do. Well, Isaiah, I certainly want to thank you so much for the interview. I appreciate you um, always supporting me throughout my career, man. It's always been love with you. I can't appreciate that more than enough. You're welcome, man. I'm Absolutely. all about love. Yeah, 100%. You're an amazing <laughs> person, and I hope that the next interview is, is sooner rather than later. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. Let me try to build more scenes for us to talk about. Awesome, man. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One-on-One -on -one with Poppy Chulo. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One-on-One -on -one with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on One-on-One -on -one with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychuloradio.com slash after dark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash Poppy Chulo one on one. That's at Poppy Chulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you, Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. And with that, Isaiah Maxwell and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. All right, good night, everybody. Let's go. 
Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. And like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.